0: You're listening to Leaders Last with your host with your host, your host Dr. David Robertson. All right, welcome back to another edition of Leaders Last. I'm your host Dr. David Robertson. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Today we're going to discuss the problems surrounding being too smart to get hired. That sounds weird, but it's actually a fairly common problem. Now, the inspiration for this podcast came from an odd post that I saw this week. It was addressing hiring managers. And again, it was one of those posts that people really like, but wasn't really thought out. I don't want to call the guy out, so I'll just call him by his first name. Chris posted the following post on LinkedIn. It said, stop trying to hire the smartest people. Yeah said, hire the people that get ish done, avoid drama, trust each other, laugh together, communicate well, want to learn and grow, and work as a team. Now, some of these are good. But to begin with, I mean, that just seems like a really bad idea. But more than that, it's really just idealized and not really thought out. I mean, sure, it may sound nice, but like I said, it's actually a really bad idea. But more to the point there are a few problems with that advice first you can't hire for trust after all trust is built and it would be pretty hard to build trust during a single interview let alone based on a resume and let's say that you put trustworthy on your resume wouldn't that raise a red flag or two after all what happened that compelled you to put it on there in the first place moreover it's hard to build trust with a team that you're not currently on. So someone has to get hired first. I guess I'm not entirely sure how someone can hire for trust, well, unless it was a internal hire, but that's that's not what the post was alluding to. Second, and very much similar to the previous point, you can't laugh with a team that you're not a part of. How exactly is someone going to hire someone that they can laugh together with when They've never had the opportunity to laugh together with them. Are they going to go out for drinks before the interview? And what if the candidate sits there and tries to make the hiring manager laugh? Is that professional? How would that be perceived? Moreover, the hiring manager isn't going to be the one laughing with that person anyway, unless they're hiring in the HR department. So why is it important that the hiring manager hire someone that they can laugh with? That doesn't make any sense to me. And third, and arguably the most critical of the whole thing, organizations typically don't try to hire the smartest people in the first place. Instead, most try to hire compliant people. And that's the big point that we're going to discuss here today. And I'll get to that in a second. But again, here's another post with hundreds of likes and comments talking about it's 100% awesome. Well, it's not at all, really. So let's hit the bigger point. Yeah, hiring compliant people, that sucks. And it's a dumb move, which, of course, is probably the result of not hiring smart people in the first place, but it's the reality for a lot of organizations. And frankly, it speaks volumes about those organizations, which should be a warning sign to you. But how do you know? How can you tell? Well, before we get into that, I wanna say that This is neither new nor groundbreaking information. I've come across loads of stuff about this in the past several years. Even Forbes ran a story on the topic not too long ago. Of course, this is true in both the public and private sectors. In fact, this type of discrimination, and for clarity, this is intellectual or intelligence discrimination. This type of discrimination has even gone to court. For example, I can recall the Robert Jordan case where a police department wouldn't hire a guy because he had a high IQ, and they evidently felt that he might question direction too much. Of course, that's sort of scary when you think about what that means for the people subjected to that department, but that's probably a different podcast. And I only share that to demonstrate that it happens. Matter of fact, I read an article not terribly long ago on Inc.com. And it's suggested that hiring intelligent people means they'll come with a bunch of baggage from their previous gigs or just carry around their own biases and, probably more to the point, they come to the organization with their own ideas and thoughts about how to do things. And that's the problem, according to them. These people are free thinking, which is evidently a problem for a lot of organizations and governments. So organizations will avoid that supposed problem, meaning that they're really just hiring compliant people. Now, let's assume the CEO knew the value of hiring smart individuals. Well, you still have to get past the HR department. And here's the truth, many hiring managers and organizational leaders are intimidated by intelligence. So there you go. As a result, And evidenced by the numerous articles you can find on the topic, smart people have a stigma and are likely being overlooked or flat-out rejected before they even get a chance. It sucks, but people are intimidated by intelligence. The 80% are intimidated by the 20. That's just how it is. So if you're in the 20, I'm sorry. I know that sucks. But... Just know that there are some organizations out there that do value you, so don't give up. But the funny thing is that if if you look for advice on the matter, you'll find a bunch of tips and tricks that allude to the idea that you should dumb it down on either the interview or on your resume. And I don't think that's the answer. I think a rejection of who you truly are is not a good thing. And I'm not sure you'd want to work for an organization that's going to discriminate against who and what you are. And I get it, you need to eat, but still. Plus, I think it's a bit of an integrity issue. It's true, though, and it really, it's sort of weird when you think about it. When I didn't have a degree, I could walk into a business, fill out an application, and have a job within a day or so. And when I got my bachelor's degree... It was a similar situation, but it would take a few weeks. Well, when I got my graduate degrees, my ability to get a job fell through the floor. And calls were practically non-existent when I put my GPA on my resume. So what can be done? Well, there are a few things you can do. And actually, before I share this, let's pay homage to the desire to dumb down your resume. I understand that. I've seen people ask, should I put my degree on my resume? Well, yeah, I think you should. I mean, why deny yourself the opportunity to shine? And like I said, if someone doesn't value you for you, why would you want to help them become more successful and really just encourage them to be that way to others? If they're going to discriminate over intelligence, I mean, you have to assume that they're really going to be willing to discriminate over other things. And more than that, if you omit your degrees and then they find out about it later, which they likely will, well, they might see that as unethical, and that could be grounds for termination. So, no, don't do that. Urubu, right? U R U B U. Instead, you have to be a little bit more strategic on how you put things, how you write it down. And really, you kind of have to demonstrate why they can't operate without you. Well, the first thing you have to do is tailor your resume to the job you're trying to land. Yes, this is laborious and nonsensical, but you have to think about most of the people who are going to review your resume. If they could understand the concept or value of transferable skills, or if they could understand the value of intelligence, then hundreds of articles wouldn't be written on the topic and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. So you need to tailor your resume to highlight the specific skills associated with the job you seek. And just FYI, you're gonna fail a few times, so don't take it personal because the problem probably isn't with you. You're likely taking a multifaceted concept with loads of context and trying to explain it simply. Well, that can be difficult, so give yourself some grace. But for example, and this is the same regardless of the job or circumstance, But let's say that you're currently a customer service representative. And let's say that you're interested in a quality assurance job that you found on a job board. Well, the first thing you have to do is assess what skills are associated with the quality assurance position. Don't start with where you're at, start with the vision. In other words, start with the skills associated with the job you want, write those down. So in this example, quality assurance likely requires attention to detail, uh, analytical skills, communication skills, probably some technical knowledge, problem-solving abilities, process improvement skills, adaptability, time leadership, teamwork, and probably some industry knowledge. But once you've identified those skills, you have to assess where you're at. But here's the deal. Your customer service position likely doesn't generally reflect the skills that you need but that doesn't mean that they're not there and it also doesn't mean that you don't have transferable skills to offer because in your current role you have communication skills you have attention to detail you have problem solving skills you have process improvement understanding time leadership documentation skills customer focus critical thinking etc you also probably have an ability to learn new things So you focus on those skills and write a job description that reflects that. You might also describe how your work demonstrates your ability to work well in a team, um, how you communicate effectively, and how you handle practical challenges and learning. Of course, you should probably have a list of your top skills on your resume as well. And in that list, describe these things in your job description, and then, then you enhance it in your cover letter. Doing it this way gives you a really good chance to get your foot in the door. And I hate to say it, and I mean, I really, really hate to say it, but soft skills are popular now, and a lot of hiring managers have bought into the idealized versions of organizational development. So, you could highlight the soft skills that you have. That should be low-hanging fruit. However, if you hate it as much as I do, you could lean heavily on adaptability. And I say that because this is one soft skill that is desired by a lot, but also extremely important. Okay, so another thing that I would recommend is that you don't try to show off your intelligence. I tell my students all the time, don't talk over someone's head, talk below their chin. And this is true both in person, but also in the way that you write. And this means that you wanna connect with people on their level. Conversely, if they're above you, You might need a stool. Either way, you want to connect with them, relate with them on a personal level. You need to go out of your way to present yourself as human, not some book nerd or robot. Interesting side note, when I was getting my master's degree, I was really shooting for a 4.0. And I had this professor, Professor Taylor, who just wouldn't give me an A. Although, let's be honest, I, I definitely earned one. But his thing was, and he literally said this verbatim, nobody is perfect, nobody gets an A in this class. Well, this guy single-handedly destroyed my 4.0. So, I graduated with a 3.916 instead of my 4.0, and yes, I was crazy angry about it, and I actually went to the dean. And the dean said something to me that still resonates to this day. He told me that the 3.9 would be better for my career, And that I should be careful how hard I push the issue. And I asked him why. And he told me that employers would likely prefer someone who wasn't perfect. So I share that for you to consider uh, as you move forward in this process. And then very much associated with not talking over someone's head, you need to avoid jargon and overly complex terms when you're discussing your qualifications. Be careful about fancy or dressed-up titles, and fill your resume with keywords associated with the job you want. And again, speak below their chin. Don't assume they know anything, anything at all about where you've been or what you've done, because they probably don't, and they probably don't care too much anyway. And I can't stress this enough. Remember that anything that you say to try and impress them might very well make them feel inferior which might result in a lost opportunity. And it sucks. I know that, but it's true. But while I'm talking about this, I need to revisit something I talked about in another podcast. Look, one of the best things you can do is network. If you network, you're building friendships and allowing people to get to know you on a more personal level. The chances are really good that someone's going to like you. And when they find out that you're looking for a new job, they might very well have some recommendations for you. Heck, they might even have a position for you. And another thing, if you find yourself in a situation where you, where you really feel that you're being discriminated against because you're supposedly too smart, then I want you to consider this. There's probably a really good chance that there is a severe lack of cultural fit in the organization that you're looking at. You're probably fishing in the wrong pond. And this is why it's a really good idea to research the company that you're applying to. Look at employee profiles and posts, look at ratings on Glassdoor, and then try to get a sense of what that culture truly is. You may not be a good fit from the get-go. Speaking of which, I did a podcast on uneven power dynamics a few weeks ago, but that's another big clue. If you find that the organization is playing games about pay during the application process, it also means that the organization is likely filled with people willing to play those games. To me, that's a red flag regarding the uneven power dynamics of the organization. In other words, it means that the organization values subservient and compliant workers, not intelligence. That's probably one to avoid. And I know it sucks, but that's how it is. Now, let me address leaders and hiring managers for a second. If you're the leader of an organization or the hiring manager, and you're not intimidated by intelligence, which you shouldn't be, then first, well done. Thank you. You are valued, and there are a lot of people who are looking for you. However, if you are intimidated by intelligence and you've bought into the idea that it results in problems, then you might want to reconsider. Sure, you want your hires to be personable, effective communicators, and whatever. But I want you to understand that hiring for compliance is not going to result in organizational growth. You're not going to get the best ideas, you're not going to find true innovation, you'll likely only receive sugar-coated information, and you'll be rooted in the status quo. And this may not wreck your organization today, but it's a recipe for disaster when faced with dramatic market shifts, which we're currently walking into. And by the way, if you want to have a conversation about this, I'm always willing to have that conversation. Just something to think about. All right, friends, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Be sure to hit that like, share, and subscribe button. I would appreciate that. That does it for this one. Until next time, take care.